Hi everyone, Melody Moore here with The Daily Emerald bringing you the fifth episode of our monthly news podcast series that gets you caught up on some of our top stories of the month. In early November, the University of Oregon football team won its first game of the 2020 season at an empty Autzen Stadium, winning 35-14 against the Stanford Cardinal. New starting quarterback Tyler Show threw 227 yards, one touchdown, and was intercepted once in the victory. Running back C.J. Verdell led the Ducks in rushing, picking up 105 yards and a touchdown. On November 9th, the Emerald reported that the University of Oregon Police Department will reduce its number of armed officers and increase the number of unarmed community service officers, President Michael Schill wrote in a campus-wide email. UOPD will reduce the number of armed police officers by 26% according to the email. The university will also hire more CFOs with the goal of increasing diversity within UOPD. These changes are said to be implemented in the coming months. CFOs will not wear any kind of police-style uniforms. Instead, they will wear attire that will make them easily recognizable, as well as more approachable and non-threatening. Also on November 9th, the Emerald reported that college students turned out to vote this year in higher numbers than ever before. Student organizers, faculty, and campus organizations helped students through the voting process by making sure they knew how, when, and where to drop their ballots. On election night, it was clear that Biden had swept Oregon in a landslide. 58% of the vote went to Biden and 39% went to Trump. The state of Oregon ended up with approximately 81% voter turnout and Lane County had 82% turnout, according to the Oregon Secretary of State website. Additionally, on November 9th, the Emerald reported that for most sororities on campus, members are contractually required to live in for one to two years of their time as an active participant. These contracts are typically signed well in advance, meaning most members who plan to live in for the 2020-2021 school year signed their lease before they knew how extreme COVID-19 would become. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention recommends social distancing and limiting the number of people that individuals come in contact with to lower the risk of being exposed to COVID-19 in shared or congregate housing. However, living in a sorority house poses challenges to these recommendations. To accommodate for COVID-19, only half of the members of Sarah's an anonymous sorority member pledge class are now allowed to live in. Executing this was no problem, Sarah said, as more members volunteered to live out than wanted to live in. Sarah said that members of the sorority's executive board, as well as the national headquarters, are trying to find ways to navigate 26 women living together. The rules, however, are inconsistent. They'll blatantly ignore some things, Sarah said, like during work week when everyone was together not wearing masks, they didn't say anything, but then later they got mad for something completely different. During the second week of November, the Emerald reported the Ducks played their second football game, overcoming three turnovers to take down the Washington State Cougars, 43-29. Additionally, two other Pac-12 games were canceled due to positive COVID-19 tests. The Emerald also reported that Chris Duarte and Will Richardson were named the preseason Pac-12 All-Conference first team. 
On November 15th, the Emerald published a point-counterpoint article in their Monday edition from the Opinion Desk discussing how winter term will be primarily online with the exception of some in-person and hybrid classes. In the article, our columnists Basil Sterling and Emily Borchard discuss the risks and benefits of keeping those in-person elements. On the third week of November in sports, the Emerald reported that Oregon football had a 38-35 win against UCLA in Autzen Stadium. Also, former Oregon basketball standout Peyton Pritchard was picked 26th overall in the first round of the NBA draft by the Boston Celtics. On November 16th, the Emerald reported that it's been one term since the University of Oregon began offering its neuroscience major. It's the first public university in Oregon to provide the degree. It requires students to take courses in biology, human physiology, and psychology. On November 16th, the Emerald also reported that every November, local writers can participate in NaNoWriMo, also known as National Novel Writing Month with the goal to complete a 50,000-word novel between November 1st and November 30th. Many local writers rely on the community to stay motivated, and this year they've had to adapt by moving write-ins online. You can read this story on our site, where a handful of local writers share their experiences with the month and how it's been different this year, for better or for worse. On November 18th, the Emerald reported that out of all the current COVID-19 outbreaks in Lane County, the University of Oregon's Greek life system contributed to 39% of cases. That said, Lane County Public Health put a house quarantine policy in place in mid-October to help slow the spread of COVID-19. Here's how it works. If someone in a group house, like in Greek life, tests positive, they're removed and go into isolation. Then, contact tracers figure out how many people came into close contact with them. If there's a lot of close contacts, Lane County Public Health makes the decision to quarantine the entire building because it's easier to manage a possible outbreak. On the fourth week of sports in November, the Emerald reported that the Ducks experienced a crushing 31-28 defeat to the rival Oregon State Beavers, shocking the college football world and sending Beavers fans into a frenzy. In other news, Oregon women's basketball opened their season that Saturday with a 116-51 victory over Seattle, while the men's opener originally set for November 25th was canceled. An updated schedule was released that Tuesday and has the men's team set to officially begin their season on December 12th. On November 23rd, the Emerald reported that photos show around 200 people attending a party November 7th at two houses on 14th Avenue in Eugene, dubbed the Orchard and the Hills. Social media accounts have shared allegations of the party taking place at adjacent houses during the first Ducks football game of the season. Both houses are unaffiliated with any sorority or fraternity chapter houses on campus, but are well known for holding parties attended by members of various Greek life chapters, according to an email from an anonymous Instagram account, covid.campus. 
On November 25th, the Emerald reported that following the November 9th posting of a picture from the Proud Boys-led Stop the Steal rally in Salem and the University of Oregon College Democrats' condemnation, the Associated Students of the University of Oregon has passed a resolution condemning white supremacy. The photo is of six mostly unmasked University of Oregon College Republicans members with a Donald Trump making America Great Again flag in the front of a stage adorned with a large American flag flanked on its sides by Proud Boys flags. UOCR President Will Christensen spoke first during public comment and said that the club's members attended the rally to show our support for President Donald Trump and raise awareness of what we see as widespread irregularities in the 2020 U.S. general election. Our efforts at this rally have nothing to do with an endorsement of the Proud Boys, Christensen said. Furthermore, this group has condemned and always will condemn white supremacy, racism, and all over similar heinous human prejudices, Christensen said. Isaiah D'Alba, the club's political director, said, We are in no way as a club defending the Proud Boys in any way, shape, or form. He added that the club does not condemn the Proud Boys either. On November 25th, the Daily Emerald also reported the University of Oregon has made several adaptations to fall term in response to COVID-19. UO has also sent out emails and social media posts explaining how students can get COVID-19 tests before they leave campus for the holidays. The university required students living in the residence halls to be tested the week of November 16th before traveling home. Voluntary testing for off-campus students has been and will be available as capacity permits on November 20th, 23rd, and 24th. UO spokesperson Saul Hubbard said that the university has communicated with students about how to travel safely and take extra precautions to minimize their risk of both contracting and spreading COVID-19 during this time. He said the university has also strongly emphasized that students should not travel if they have been diagnosed with COVID-19, are experiencing COVID-19 symptoms, or have been exposed to a confirmed case. On November 27th, the Daily Emerald reported that University of Oregon President Michael Schill released his plan for police reform on November 9th in response to students' calls to defund and disarm the University of Oregon Police Department. The ASUO executive branch was among those voices sharing a memorandum with the student body October 5th on Instagram. The memorandum asks that the university disarm UOPD officers unless the use of a firearm is absolutely and unequivocally necessary for the protection of a civilian or themselves. His plan calls for a 26% decrease in UOPD's armed force and a substantial increase to the number of unarmed community service officers. UO spokesperson Saul Hubbard said the nine new CSOs will not affect UOPD's budget as these officers present the same annual cost as the seven armed positions she'll cut. Additionally, those seven positions are currently empty, meaning no current UOPD employee has to be laid off or reclassified as a result of this shift, Hubbard said. 
On November 30th, the Emerald reported that the Associated Students of the University of Oregon Executive Branch said they believe some of UO President Michael Schill's reforms regarding the University of Oregon Police Department will not reach its full potential. Additionally, the ASUO demanded UO make all steps in the reform process transparent and accessible to all students and community members in an Instagram post that Monday. That said, the ASUO executive branch said the proposed UOPD reforms are a meaningful first step, but issues arise as Schill does not mention decreasing UOPD's budget. The ASUO executive branch said, We are disappointed in the immediate abdication of the university's previous commitment of open discussion with closing the door of potential conversations regarding disarming and or abolishing UOPD. That's it for this episode. Please visit our website to stay up to date with our latest news, videos, and podcasts, and follow us on social media at Daily Emerald to stay connected. Thank you for listening. I'm Melody Moore, and now you're caught up for the month of November with the Daily Emerald.